Hello, I'm Alberto Salvato. Welcome to Crime Time, a Virginia criminal law podcast. I'm here with Anna Dvorak, Anthony Norse, and Ann Thayer. Enjoy the show. So here it is, legal disclaimer, because we are lawyers and we've got to write one. So if you are listening to this podcast, thank you. We sincerely hope you are listening to this podcast for its entertainment value and not with the intention of acquiring legal advice for any individual case or situation. I mean, come on, you wouldn't take advice from someone you have never met or spoken to directly, right? If you were bleeding profusely, you wouldn't listen to a podcast in hopes of a bandage somehow materializing over the internet and onto your 3D printer. Seeking actual legal advice can be just as important as a tourniquet. The hosts of this podcast are in no way intending to create an attorney-client relationship with any listener. Sorry, we are sure you all are great people, but we cannot stress enough how little we know of you and your case. And rather than risk an awkward moment, let us just remember we have never met. Nothing on this platform should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. We are just a group of friends with differing opinions and viewpoints, which we will try to explore through discussions of current events, law changes, and whatever else floats our fancy. Episode three. Shut the front door. Today, we're going to talk about the perils of speaking to a cop or a police officer or detective or anybody who's asking you a question about really virtually anything, Uh, because we've had so many clients who think that they they go meet voluntarily or even after an arrest, they, they start talking to a police officer and they say things thinking that they're going to help themselves out or talk themselves out of a problem. It just doesn't happen. Uh, I'm sure we've had examples of that. Uh, Anna, can you tell us what is that? What's that? That There's a saying that they say that public defenders and you used to be a public defender, but what is it that they, and Anna as well. Actually, Anthony, were you a public defender too? No, you never were. I was not, but people still ask me if I'm still with the office. (laughs) (laughs) And he takes it as a compliment. Look, as we all know, if nobody talks, everybody walks. That's the one. And and therein lies the problem. Many of our clients can't help but explain things. How many times has someone been charged with possession of cocaine where a police officer pulls them over in a car that may not be registered them on the driver's side, pass, driver's side pocket. There's a little bit of crack cocaine and some packaging. The officer picks that up and he says to the guy, what, what do you think this is? And the guy says, Oh, that's not my cocaine. That's somebody else's. So now he's just admitted to knowing what it is. Yep, It's in the car. And, and- he knows where it was. And now we're going to have a hard time dealing with the fact that even though that might've been someone else's, he was in the car with it, knew what it was and knew where it was. And suddenly he's in possession. It doesn't have to quote unquote be yours for it, you to be guilty of possession of cocaine. But people even, feel they can explain it and it'll go better for them. But it even never the most, does. The, the, the most innocent statements uh, can lead to, to something because these people are trained to get that out of you. So these detectives, they know what they're doing. They, and it's okay for them to lie when they're interrogating you. It's okay for them to tell you that they have more evidence than they have. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that. And as a former public defender, I think in Stafford County, right? 
Fredericksburg, yeah. Fredericksburg. Is that the same thing or not really? They're um, all part of the same. They were part of the same office. Like they all had different okay. courts, but the public defender's office dealt with four different counties. So wow. but, um, my biggest thing is when you don't tell police things, sometimes you tell police a little bit and you don't explain the full story. And then you come to court and we've gotten the police report and it doesn't have your explanation of what happened, but you gave just enough that it looks like you might've done something wrong. And so judges and prosecutors, a lot of times go with what you said at the time of the incident. um, And they think now that you've had time to figure it out, that you're just making things up when that may not be the case. So really, you really shouldn't be saying anything because anything you say can be taken out of context and you might not have meant it the way that it sounds, but they're going to try to say, well, you said X, Y, and Z, and we're taking that as an admission when you may not have meant to do that at all. Tony, when you were with the office, what did you... uh... (laughs) I I learned quite a bit there. Uh, One thing that I'll tell you is you can oftentimes end up contradicting yourself. So even if you don't say something that is completely or at all incriminating, your contradictions can then be used to show that possibly you're lying about something. And so even though you're not trying to uh, say anything that would be incriminating, the contradictions themselves can then be used against you to show that what you're saying is not believable. And let me give an example of just uh, something that could come back to haunt you. Uh, a police officer is just asking some questions. Hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I know so-and-so. Oh, how do you know so-and-so? Well, I went to a party in 1998 and I saw her there and we had a couple of drinks and we spoke. Well, guess what? This person now is saying something happened in 1998. You have just admitted to being in the same location. Even if you had, you, you may not have had anything to do with this person, but you've just made an admission that's going to link you to something that they've been investigating for possibly months and maybe even a year to try to get who, who, uh, who committed a crime. For instance, I do a lot of assault cases and domestic violence and protective orders. And sometimes you'll say, well, yeah, I pushed her, but then you don't explain the full story of the fact that they were coming at you or that that. you did, or that you did that to get them off of you. (laughs) Um, and so P that's what I mean by not explaining things fully. When you start talking and you don't, and you're upset and you're, you're nervous and you're scared because you're talking to the police. A lot of people haven't had a lot of experience talking to police or you've seen things on TV and you think it's going to play out one way. And guess what? All those things that you're, how you're acting, your demeanor, um, human nature, what you're saying. Yeah. Human human nature is for people to like us and for us to tell the truth. I mean, most of us, unless you have some, some real like, you know, lying tendencies, but. Or you may not even know what you're saying is incriminating. So even the simple offense of driving on suspended, one of the elements is that you're driving. The police might come upon an accident where you're outside of the car. You think, of course, I was driving the car. So when the police ask, were you driving? You say, yes, of course, I was driving. And you just uh, satisfy that element of the offense without even knowing it. And, so there are oftentimes that you can say something without even knowing that you're incriminating yourself. And, and one and, thing you need to know is, too, is that police officers will tell defense attorneys that a lot of 80 percent of the time they get information from people just by casual encounters. So a police officer will come up to someone who's just standing outside of 7-Eleven or in their neighborhood and say, hey, man, how are you doing? Person says, fine. And says, hey, do you have any drugs on you? And they'll say 80% of the time, people will say, oh, yeah, got this in my pocket. And all of a sudden, they're arrested. It's either marijuana or it's cocaine or I have this gun on me. And it's a mess. But 80% of the time, People respond, and they don't even have to do much investigative work. Um, At I mean, all. The, 
and, and it, it turns out that sometimes people will volunteer stuff without even being asked. For example, I was in court the other day and I volunteered to an officer several traffic infractions that I had committed. Uh, so I wasn't even asked those questions. Like when you tried to run Anna over? <laughs> oh, yes. We're not going to go. Listen, as uh, I've That's been okay. I tried that. to run Alberto over <laughs> like years ago. <laughs> That's true. Now, what, attorneys are not immune to this. I, I actually, the only ticket I've ever gotten, I was in Arlington County and I turned left and I get pulled over and I'm like, what the hell? Why is this guy pulling me over? And the officer comes up to me and he goes, uh, you understand why I pulled you over? I was like, no, I had no idea. And he goes, you turn left after four o'clock. Well, I look at my clock. I go, God damn it, it's 4.03. I just admitted that it was after four o'clock. And I'm like, and I and I said to myself, damn, I just admitted it to you. And he goes, yep. He gave me the ticket. And then and I forgot to pay it. Almost got my license suspended. But it's it's all good now. It's all, you know, things happen. But you just, our human nature is to befriend people and to talk to them and to say things. And you really have to get it in your mind that when you're asked to go into speak to an officer, nine out of 10 times, they are, they are there to try to find more evidence against you. And so I, I tell my clients, the easiest thing to do is tell them, I don't want to answer questions and I want a lawyer. And that should end the questioning in the event. It doesn't end the questioning. There's a really good motion to suppress at that point. So you don't lie to the officer. You don't have to be rude about it. Just tell them I don't want to answer any questions. And I'd like to have my lawyer. And if they do charge you or arrest you and they come to court, guess what? They don't have statements. They don't have conflicting information that you gave them. They don't have admissions. They don't have evidence to use against you because you haven't provided it to them. And one of the reasons people do talk, though, is they think, oh, well, if I just explain myself, I'm not going to get arrested. They're trying to avoid being arrested. And so they're talking to the police thinking, I'm going to talk my way out of this, where you're really just talking your way into it. And they say, well, if I hadn't talked, he was going to arrest me. And I'd say, sure, might arrest you. But then they wouldn't have had any evidence against you. And now the nail's in the coffin. I mean, that is what and and but. That's the psych. That's a psychological effect of being questioned. It's just like if a parent's questioning a child, you are trying to talk the way out of it. It doesn't ever work. And the yep. other place that we definitely see it is groups. If you're in a group of people and the police want to talk to you, you know, guilt by association. You you do not talk. At you all. regroup with it. You you don't know what we, other people I think people we've have. all had cases at a party or where there's groups of kids or even adults where the officers aren't sure who it belonged to. So they just charge everybody. And then guess what? The ones that admit things are the ones that are a little bit in more trouble when they come to court versus the ones that didn't have a much better time at court because there's no corroboration that they voluntarily or knowingly or willingly were possessing anything. So yeah, the police aren't looking for co-investigators when they come talk to you. They're not saying, Hey, help us figure something out. If they have enough to arrest you, uh, they're going to arrest you if you don't speak to them. They're going to arrest you if you speak to them. The only difference is after you speak to them, you've just dotted some of their I's and crossed some of their T's. That's the way I look at it. Because if you tell them, if, if a police officer calls me up and says, hey, come and talk to me or else uh, I'm going to arrest you. I'm like, well, if you feel like you have the probable cause already, then go scratch. I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. Forget it. You're right. But when the, when the police phrase it that way, though, it has a psychological component. Come talk to me or else I'm going to arrest you. People think, well, then if I do talk to you, possibly you will not arrest me. But it's, that's simply not the case. It's the trick. Yeah, it's the trick. And, and listen, I've heard so many different uh, tricks from detectives saying, oh, you know, we ran DNA, uh, touch DNA from 15 years ago. I'm like, what? 
and people believe it because mm-hmm. people expect police officers and detectives to always tell the truth. And I think just, they, you know, they, they look at priests and police officers to always tell the truth. But the law is clear. They do not have to be truthful with you during an investigation or an interrogation. Well, and, and the and officer can approach you to talk to you and question you, but you don't have to talk to them. So you have the right to walk away. You have the right to not respond to them, but do it respectfully. Like Tony said, say, I don't want to answer questions. I'd like a lawyer. Am I free to leave? You know, you people where people run into trouble sometimes is you start to get really defensive and then you start fighting or arguing or things get go down a bad path and that's never going to play out for anybody. So it's not going to get you where you want to be. And so just stay calm. And if they do choose to arrest or do something, leave it up to us to fight the fact that your constitutional rights were violated. But, but don't get, don't get us wrong. We're not saying never talk to a police officer. If you happen to have a family member as a police officer, so we're my not dad saying was a detective. that. Well, yeah. <laughs> my dad was a cop. There's plenty of good cops out there, but Great cops. they're not yeah. always looking for bad things. But no, the no, point no. is if you're, you're right. doing something wrong and they catch you doing something wrong, they're looking for the evidence to support it. And, and now, right, so Al- Alberto's talked about the situation where like, the detectives will call you up. Now, detectives don't just call, unless they're related to you as they were related to Anne and and they are related to other people that we know and love. They're not calling you up just to make your acquaintance. They're calling you up because they're doing an investigation. And if, if a detective or officer calls you and says, I'd like to talk to you about something, you can politely say, I'll call you back when I have a moment. And then you immediately contact a lawyer. Because this is a situation where you have time to prepare and you have time to talk with somebody because um, I, all of us here have had the situation where a person has called us and said, I've been contacted by the police. I'm not sure why. And we have been hired to, to help with the investigation and to, to protect our clients from the situation. Uh, you should never, you know, talk talk to a detective or an officer who's called you out of the blue without first uh, consulting someone uh, because they're not calling you for a social call. Um, It's just something, something to think about. Put it this way. We're really lucky if you call us before you go talk to them, because if you call us, we're going to say no, 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 or let us arrange it or be there and we can protect you. Um, And we love those calls when we get them ahead of time. We're like, yay. But when we get it after you've done it, we're like, no. (laughs) I spoke to a colleague today who actually had a client who spoke to the detective already, then hired my colleague. The officer wanted or detective wanted him to come in to do a lie detector test. This person was so certain of his innocence that he wanted to do it. And luckily, the lawyer told him, no, there's absolutely no reason to go back and make contradictory statements and have the lie detector there at the same time. So in that case, although there was one meeting with the detective, the second meeting, especially with the lie detector test, was able to be avoided. So the lie detector test isn't even admissible in court. So if you think about it, the only reason why they want you in there for a second bite at the apple is to trip you up. So and get those contradictory get statements. Those contradictory statements, and it's and it's. Listen, it's some people may call it good police work. We police work. We call it a nightmare because now we have, as defense attorneys, we have statements that are really hard to explain to a jury when they're framed in a certain way. So, 
Yeah, and the client was so anxious to explain his innocence, he was ready to go for that second interview and was really eager to have that admissible lie detector test just to prove his innocence, even though he had no idea what he was walking into. Just think of it this way. They come at you with a box filled with all this evidence in their story that they've already put together in their minds. And they don't let you know what they're thinking or what they have. And they start asking you questions to fill in whatever space in that box is left. So you just, I mean, the, the best advice is just let that box sit there with a space. That's called reasonable doubt. But when you start talking to them, you end up, you get rid of that reasonable doubt, you're screwed. Yep, you might and fill the in nice, the one gap that you don't have. Yeah. And the nice thing is when you, when, an, when you contact an attorney and they contact the detective for you, I've never had a detective scream at me or be impolite to me. They've all said, appreciate knowing that you're representing him. Yeah. And if cool. charges are, and if, ju- and if charges are, coming they're going to tell me so that if there's they're going to come and then my i'm going to get my guy um to turn himself in um better that but, way because then you don't get picked up at work or at home or in other public places your attorney can make arrangements with the officer to meet you or meet him at the station and get you served there which kind of saves you then people aren't embarrassed by having it happen in front of their family or friends or coworkers. and the flip side of that is i've actually gone with a client uh to a meeting and told the detective we don't want to talk but let me know if there were charges and no charges were ever filed simply because my guy didn't provide the missing evidence. Right. Well, we, we assume and, and that's probably the case. Right. I mean, they often want to meet you because it's a lot easier to make their case if it's based on your words alone. Um, but it's, it's definitely better to either end up with no charges. Um, I think a lot of times people think, well, the officer's going to think I'm guilty if I get a lawyer. Sure, they might think that, but they're not the ones that make the decision to find you guilty. And you know, by the they're way, not they the ones that make the decision to charge. Did. Yes, they've been thinking that since they started investigating you. So what's our final consensus here that we're going to tell everybody as we sign off? Shut the front door. That's all I'm going to say. Don't talk to the police. <laughs> as I said before, nobody talks, everybody walks. There we go. If you don't say it, they can't twist it around and use it against you. So there you have it. Shut the front door. Thanks for joining us on Crime Time. I hope you liked what you heard, and we hope you join us for the next episode. Mm-hmm.